Welcome to another episode of Down Ballot Counts. I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor at Bloomberg Government. With me as always is senior reporter Greg Giroux. It's Monday, July 27th. We are 99 days from Election Day. Congress is trying to figure out how to do something to provide another round of economic relief. And President Trump continues to see troubling poll results. Today, we'll go over which congressional incumbents who wanted to come back next year already know they won't, and which of their colleagues could join them over the next month or so. And later, we'll break down a campaign ad on the airwaves in a hot primary race. We were there with 99% of the precincts counted. Number of other key down-ballot races. This is a very dramatic turn. We will have to look. House will be in order. Chair requests that members clear the aisle, take seats, and cease audible conversation. From Washington, this is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Up first is Jerose Gem. Jerose Gem, my number of the week is 1952. That was the last full year Democrats held both U.S. Senate seats in Arizona. Democrats would accomplish that feat in January if Democrat Mark Kelly, the Navy veteran, former astronaut, and husband to Gabrielle Giffords, defeats Republican Senator Martha McSally in the November election. Democrat Kirsten Sinema holds Arizona's other Senate seat. Kelly is unopposed in Arizona's primary on August the 4th, while McSally faces nominal opposition, and they have been campaigning for months against one another in one of the top races that will decide whether Republicans keep their Senate majority. Kelly raised more than $46 million as of July 15th, while McSally raised more than $30 million. So this will be by far the most expensive Senate race in Arizona history. Cinema's defeat of McSally in the 2018 election was the first Senate victory by an Arizona Democrat since Dennis D. Consini was reelected in 1988, and the first Senate win by a non-incumbent Arizona Democrat since D. Consini first won that seat back in 1976. After losing to Cinema, McSally was appointed to Arizona's other Senate seat, formerly held by the late John McCain, and the winner of the special election between McSally and Mark Kelly will serve the remainder of the six-year term McCain won in 2016 and which expires at the end of 2022. So 1952, the last year Democrats held both Arizona U.S. Senate seats. That's your Jero's gem. And it's not looking great for McSally right now. Cook Political Report just moved that race to Leans Democratic. All right, up next, we'll talk about when incumbents want to come back for another term in Congress. But the voters in their own parties say, not so fast. This is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Members of Congress lose in primaries every election cycle. Outside of redistricting years, when incumbent primary losses are more prevalent, an average of three have lost in every election over the past three decades. In 2014, 2016, and 2018, four or five lost. Here in 2020, we've already reached five, and more could be on the way. Greg, let's go over who's lost so far first. Yeah, so we've had five so far, as you mentioned, Kyle, and uh, the most recent one called, actually, was uh, Elliot Engel in New York. That primary was on June the 23rd. Uh, Scott Tipton, a Colorado Republican, lost on June the 30th, but the Engel primary took so long to count that we didn't find out about that until about a week or so ago. Uh, so that's probably the biggest one so far. Engel was in Congress for uh, 32 years. He's going to conclude that service after losing to Jamal Bowman, an educator, uh, in that primary. And then earlier this year, it seems like a million years ago, but Dan Lipinski uh, was the first loser's primary, a Democrat from Illinois, to Marine Newman, a more progressive challenger in the Chicago area. 
And then the other two are Republican Steve King in Iowa and Denver Riggleman in Virginia, who lost in a convention, a low turnout convention to a more conservative challenger. Yeah, a drive through convention. Uh, and Lempinski was pre-quarantine, right? It does feel like a different lifetime ago, a different world. Um, in many ways, it was. Um, OK, so the, you talked about Angle and how we just found that out um, after weeks of, of mail-in vote counting. We're still waiting to hear what's going on with Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, uh, another New York City district. Uh, but it looks like her lead is growing there. And as of July 27th, today, we are still waiting to see that result. Um, still, there's a few incumbents we're keeping an eye on over the next couple of weeks. Greg, who's at the top of your list? I think at the top of my list is Steve Watkins, a Kansas Republican. Uh, he's up for re-election in the primary on August the 4th. Uh, he is facing Jake LaTurner, the Kansas treasurer. Uh, LaTurner has said that charges of voter fraud levied against Watkins render him uh, too flawed to win in November. Watkins has denied wrongdoing and attacked LaTurner for voting for a tax hike in the state legislature. And waiting the wings is Democrat Michelle De La Isla, the Topeka mayor, who's very well funded. It's a Republican-leaning district, but Watkins barely won it in 2018. And I think that one I'm watching pretty closely, uh, Kyle, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, and that's one of the arguments. This guy... You know, Congressman Watkins almost lost this district um, that Republicans think they have no business of losing um, because of issues he had before he was even a member of Congress. Now he's been charged with a few voting fraud felonies, um, which is going to complicate things even more. Um, And as Republicans are trying to win back the House, they're not trying to lose Kansas, too. Right. Um, So there's a few other kind of big names we're we're watching um, a couple allies of uh, AOC. That's right. Also on August the 4th in Michigan's 13th district, you have first-term Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who's a member of the so-called squad led by AOC. She's up against Brenda Jones, the Detroit City Council president. And Kyle, this is actually the third matchup uh, in less than two years between Tlaib and Jones. So in August 2018, after Democratic Congressman John Conyers died, there was a regular primary held on the same day as a special primary to fill the remainder of the term that Conyers won. Well, in a multi-candidate race in both contests, Tlaib won the regular primary over Jones, but lost the special primary to Jones. So Jones got to serve in Congress for a couple of months to complete Conyers' term, but then Tlaib got to serve the full two-year term that she's currently serving right now. This time, this primary is a one-on-one race between Tlaib and Jones, and I think it's one to watch. Yeah, that's amazing how that happened. Um, There's another one um, in the Midwest, in Minneapolis, uh, Ilhan Omar. Uh, We I wasn't paying that much attention until um, the last quarterly reports came in um, and she was thoroughly outraised. That's right. Uh, She has several primary challengers led by Anton Melton Mukes, who's a lawyer and self-described progressive Democrat who said in one ad he would bring people together and, quote, I'm not out to sell books or become a national celebrity or fight for my own agenda. He didn't mention uh, Ilhan Omar by name, but that's a clear shot at uh, what he says is her divisiveness and political celebrity. Uh, Anton Melton Muke says that he uh, will bring people together and focus more on district needs and not on building his national reputation. Uh, About the fundraising, um, he's raised more than $3.7 million through June, which is a big total. Some of it from pro-Israel donors who were repelled by some comments Omar made about the influence of pro-Israel groups. That primary in Minnesota's 5th District 
in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed a couple of months ago, is coming up on August the 11th. You know, one of the biggest impediments to a primary challenger's uh, path to success is name ID. Um, and so when you have someone who can raise that kind of money and is running TV ads, um, getting their name out, that's when you really have to start paying attention. So we are watching Minneapolis for sure. Now, someone who doesn't have any issues with name ID is the challenger in the Massachusetts Senate Democratic primary, Joe Kennedy. That's right, Kyle. He's a member of the most storied Democratic political family. He's uh, 40 years old. He's a junior member of the Congress, but he's decided to take on one of the longest serving members of the Congress in Ed Markey, uh, who's been in uh, Congress for more than 40 years, most of that in the House. But since 2013 in the Senate. They had another uh, debate on Sunday night. Uh, Markey has been touting his progressive credentials, including his co-sponsorship of the so-called Green New Deal with AOC, while Kennedy has said he would bring more responsive, hands-on leadership uh, than Markey. That primary is coming up on September the 1st, and it's probably, I think, the only Senate race we're really watching where you have an incumbent in danger of being felled in the, in the, in the primary. Yeah, that's right. And there's there's also a congressional race uh, we're at least keeping an eye on with uh, Richard Neal, the Ways and Means Committee chairman. Um, so that's that's uh, another one to watch there. Um, anything else you're looking at uh, for the rest of primary season? I think one more I'm watching, Kyle, is in Missouri's first district. That's coming up on August the 4th as well, a Democratic primary between Lacey Clay. Uh, he's up against Cory Bush in a rematch of a 2018 primary that Clay won by about 20 points. So it wasn't a close race then, but also because Bush won almost 40 percent of the vote, that's a that's a significant anti-incumbent vote there. So it's a race to watch. And Clay just uh, today, Monday, uh, released a pretty tough ad against Bush. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Up next, we are heading to Kansas. I'm Dr. Roger Marshall, and I approve this message. Everything Chris Kobach touches seems to go up in flames. Kobach drove the Kansas Republican Party into the ditch as chairman, left a hundred grand in debt, fined for illegal contributions, forced to pay 22 grand in back taxes. As Secretary of State, Kobach got caught lining his pockets with taxpayer funds, then got destroyed running for governor. Chris Kobach can't win, and he shouldn't. That was an ad from Roger Marshall, the congressman from Kansas's first district, who is in a hot primary battle for the state's open Senate seat with Chris Kobach, the polarizing former secretary of state. Greg, what stood out to you? Well, this ad really throws the kitchen sink at Kobach with as many criticisms, I think, as one can lodge in a 30-second spot. It closes with the strongest indictment that many Republicans in the so-called establishment wing of the party have lodged against Kobach from the start, and that is he risks losing to a well-funded Democrat, State Senator Barbara Bollier, uh, after uh, Kobach lost the 2018 governor's race to a Democrat in a state that President Trump won by more than 20 percentage points. So a lot about uh, Kobach's electability in the fall. And this is a, a state the Republicans can ill afford to lose as they hold on to their trying to hold on to their precarious uh, Senate majority. Now, this is an ad from Marshall's campaign, but the bulk of the ads in the home stretch of this Republican primary have come not from the candidates, but from super PACs, which uh, can accept money in unlimited amounts. So um, this is a race to watch on August the 4th, primary day, and we'll see whether uh, all of these uh, super PAC ads, what kind of impact they make. There's actually a Democratic group that's trying to intervene in this primary, spending more than $3 million trying to get Kobach as the Republican nominee because Democrats feel that Kobach would be the uh, the weakest general election candidate in the fall. 
Yeah, and the crossfire of ads in that race has been unbelievable. Uh, We had a story on that last week, so go ahead and check that out for more information. All right, well, now before we close the show, we've got a parting shot of trivia for you. This is Down Ballot Counts. It's trivia time on Down Ballot Counts. Each week, my mission, which I choose to accept again, is to try to stump Kyle and you, our listeners, with a political trivia question. Let's first review last week's question and answer. And I asked, what is the most common county name in the U.S.? And I gave the choices of Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, and Lincoln. So Kyle, uh, with those four choices, uh, do you have a a confident uh, answer for me on that question? I'm going with Washington, first president. You are correct. Yet again, 30% of people in our Bloomberg government Twitter poll picked Washington, so congratulations to you. There are 31 Washington counties, I believe, uh, in the United States, and uh, Jefferson is uh, next with about 26. And uh, 36% of you picked Jefferson in that poll. So, But congratulations to the 30% of you who picked uh, Washington correctly. And now for this week's question. Who was the last elected U.S. senator who was defeated for re-election in a primary? So we talked on this episode about House members who have been defeated for re-election in primaries or are facing tough races in primaries for the rest of the year. But I want to know who was the last elected senator who has that distinction of losing re-election in a primary. You may email your answer to bgovpodcast at bgov.com or tweet it at us using the Bloomberg government Twitter handle at bgov and use the hashtag DownBallotPod. We will reveal the answer and ask a new question on the next episode of Down Ballot Counts. That's it for us today. Before we go, Greg, what else are you watching this week? Kyle, it's the last full week of campaigning for the August 4th primaries in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington. We talked about some of them on the episode. You want to watch that Republican primary for the Senate and in the 2nd District of Kansas. Tennessee's primary is August the 6th, which is a Thursday where there's a Republican Senate primary for the seat of retiring Republican Senator Lamar Alexander. The Hawaii primary is August the 8th of Saturday. Kyle, if you want to send me to that, I won't object. And then August the 11th, we have primaries in Minnesota, Vermont, Wisconsin, and Connecticut, and runoffs in Georgia. So a busy start to August in the political world. I'll note here that Michael Bloomberg, the majority owner of Bloomberg Government's parent company, sought the Democratic presidential nomination. He endorsed Joe Biden on March 4th. Down Ballot Counts was produced by David Schultz. You can follow us on Twitter at Kyle Trigstad and at Greg Giroux. And be sure to check out all the great politics coverage on Bloomberg Government's website, about.bgov.com. Down Ballot Counts is taking an August recess over the next two weeks. So we'll talk to you again on August 17th. When it comes to the environment, there are, let's say, a lot of moving parts. Climate change, air pollution, water pollution, chemical contamination, endangered species, renewable energy, superfund, asbestos, recycling, lead, mold, radon, stormwater... That's where Parts Per Billion comes in. Join me, David Schultz, on the Parts Per Billion podcast every Wednesday to sort out everything that's going on in the environment, from the courts to Congress to your backyard. Download and subscribe to Parts Per Billion wherever you get your podcasts, and thanks for listening.